And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we watch very special episodes of television from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Yes, today we are going to do our first episode of Step by Step. This is season four, episode 18. The title is Back to School. Uh, You can watch it on Hulu. The original air date is March 3rd, 1995. This was written by Meredith Seiler and directed by Rich Carell. (laughs) Come on our show, Rich Carell, even though I have nothing but bad things to say about this episode. <laughs> it was directed wonderfully. <laughs> Do you have a, uh, nope. you wrote what? No, Meredith Siler. You wrote Meredith Siler wrote some other things that were not interesting. You wrote on a show called Dear John. Yeah. That's I, I clicked it. on her link too and didn't recognize anything. There you go. It's um, not It's not easy. Not easy. You wrote what isn't some walk in the park. <laughs> It's you not, make it seem so easy. I know, but it's not you wrote whatever. It's you wrote what specifically. <laughs> you wrote shrug. Um, all right. We have two snacks today. Yay. One that Miles picked up. Miles, you want to tell us about this apple? No. Walking through the grocery store like I do. <laughs> Why? As opposed to flying around with rocket shoes, bro? I was flying around in rocket shoes there in the grocery go. store like I do. <laughs> when I saw an apple that uh-huh. immediately made me think of Andy. Sure. I have in front of you jazz apples. Jazz apples. Jazz apples. Wow. Oh, jazz apples. It sounds like a curse from the 1920s. I feel like you should have said these are jazz apples and they were bananas. <laughs> <laughs> that would have. I understand that it is a wonderful find, uh, but if we are if we are beholding to jazz research, this should not have anything to do with <laughs> apples whatsoever. I'm gonna start saying all oh, jazz apples. Oh, jazz apples. Yeah, so we Thank have Thank you, Miles. Yeah. We have jazz apples. And then we also have one of my favorite things, which is a snack from Muji. Um, I love the snacks at Muji because you never really know what you're gonna get. These are marshmallows. Okay, forest. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, these are strawberry marshmallows. They are regular marshmallows with strawberry filling, uh, artificially flavored and colored. A lot of words in Japanese on the nutrition label. Um, Most of them are probably warnings. Yeah, I'm excited to try. They're very uh, fluffy looking, so I'm excited about this. So you like, just as far as, just this, marshmallows, pillows, anything fluffy. Snow. Delicious. Yeah. Okay, let's eat some snacks. Bye. I can't believe it. apples were fantastic mm-hmm. miles these were really good i forget sometimes that i enjoy fruit so yeah, much there's like a honey crisp kind of a taste yeah um very good the muji marshmallows were delicious although miles translated the packaging 
And it was dire. Yeah, you ain't gonna last uh, <laughs> most of this episode, so... Yeah, um, this is my last episode because mm-hmm. I'll probably be dead. I mean, those Google Translates you have to be very yeah. careful of. We can edit her out of this, right, Miles? Yeah. Oh, sure. Welcome to Huggy Alerted with Andy. And the douche. <laughs> His <laughs> name, is Miles, <laughs> name is Miles and he's sitting right there. Of course, that was a Parks and Rec joke. Um, the, uh, little, little, I'll let it slide. Right, I'll you, let it slide. You're a, little, you're a little douchey, you know that. You're a little, you're a little douchey. Uh, anyway, let's talk about a goddamn episode of television, yeah, shall we? So let me tell you about Step by Step, because yeah. it's actually more interesting than I thought the, the way the show came about. So... Step by Step ran for seven seasons, 160 episodes. It was part of the TGIF lineup on ABC from 91 to 97, and then moved to CBS for its final 97-98 season. Such a weird trend. That yeah. Just this like, was well, we'll the, do one more season somewhere else. Yeah, the rec- the viewership was fading, and sure. so um, CBS was like, nah, we'll take it on. Uh, but this was built like a super band sitcom. So it was created... An executive produced by William Bickley and Michael Warren and developed and executive produced by Miller Boyette. Mm. Of course, Miller Boyette did Full House, Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, like all these big 90s sitcoms. It was created off the idea of combining two of the most popular television stars from the 70s, Patrick Duffy and mm. Suzanne Somers, to star as parents to attract adult viewers with current teen celebrities <laughs> Stacey Keenan from My Two Dads and oh. Going Places, Brandon Call from Baywatch and Sasha Mitchell from Dallas to star as their children oh. to attack attract to attack children to, to attack att- children to attract children don't and leave teen children viewers. alone. <laughs> so <laughs> the casting of Patrick Duffy also fulfills a contractual obligation that Lorimar had made to give him a new show after Dallas, sure. which was also produced by Lorimar, had ended its run. Okay. So this is like a bunch of people in a room going how do we attract both adults and teen and child viewers? Let's take all these people from all these sitcoms yeah. that people have already liked and put them in a family together. I'm going to tell you what. Patrick Duffy, comedy, and contractual obligations <laughs> making a lot of sense to me. Because that dude, you can keep him. Also, you can keep all these kids. I will just watch Suzanne Summers and a big, fat, pregnant belly walking around, not talking like Chrissy Snow. It's all day long. All day long. Um, the series theme song, Second Time Around, was written and composed by Jesse Frederick and Bennett Salve, who wrote the themes for Full House, Perfect Strangers, and Family Matters. Sure. Uh, yeah, so that's the that's how the show came about. Now, The Ordinary World. In an ordinary world. I'm going to go through this fast. There are a lot of people on this show. Yo, you ain't kidding. So, so. Here's, get ready to hear this. Girl says to other boy... <laughs> Lady says to nerd guy. So two very attractive single parents who each have three kids get married on a whim in Jamaica after a whirlwind courtship. They live in Wisconsin. The kids don't like each other. At first, all six of the kids, the six kids are suddenly a family. They don't know or like each other. It's just not Brady Um, Bunch then. The the series deals with them becoming a loyal blended family. So Suzanne Summer plays mom Carol, who is a hairdresser, and she has three kids to begin with. Uh, Dana, the wisecracking feminist, Karen, the vapid aspiring model, and Mark, the nerd. Patrick Duffy plays dad Frank, a contractor, and his three kids are JT, a slacker who's into sports, Alicia, or Al, the tomboy, and Brendan, the youngest and shyest one. And uh, also, Cody is around. Cody is Frank's nephew who lives in the driveway. What in the... F- he lives in the driveway. <laughs> According to IMDb. That's not... They don't... 
He's uh he probably lives, he lives in like a garage apartment. <laughs> he probably lives in a garage no, apartment. I think they got it right based on the way this kid is acting. He probably <laughs> he lives is, in a driveway. He is the Joey Lawrence of this show. He's the dim witted heartthrob. He wishes he was Joey so, Lawrence. <laughs> so there is. Uh, in this season, in season four. Um, mom and dad are about to have their first baby together. Uh-huh. And once that happens, Brendan, the youngest, the dark haired youngest kid is going to start appearing less and less. And, and he will be written out of the series after season six. And Cody, the dim heart heartthrob will be written out after season five. So even they acknowledged there were too many people on this fucking show. Yeah. You ain't, you ain't kidding. The Brady Bunch has a whole theme song where they're like, here are the characters. Are the we're characters. sorry. So wait, do we see this Brendan? kid in this yeah episode? he's the one that gets stuck in the trash can so we barely see him yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so as we open well if i can't remember his name i'll just call him side gag <laughs> side gag uh soon to be written out child um as we fading o- like the kids <laughs> in the marty mcfly picture I was gonna say. as we open uh jt the slacker who's good at sports huh? is on the phone with his friend dave and he's telling dave you're so lucky couldn't happen to a nicer guy smiling on and on and as soon as he hangs up, he calls Dave a dirtbag. Yeah. Sitcoms. During the call, Cody, who lives in the driveway, <laughs> enters. Hey, I gotta wash the gravel out of my beard. <laughs> and all the girls woo at Lord, him. don't they, though? When he comes in. Um, and then they break everything down for us very cleanly. The two boys here. The two cousins. Yeah, um, as clean as stupid things are. <laughs> I hate this so much. Chelsea, I hate it. I said it on the tease for this episode, last episode. Bojack Horseman <laughs> flashes back to the sitcom that Bojack Horseman was in in the 90s called Horsin' Around. Mm-hmm. And honest to God, it might as well just be this show. Like This is the culmination <laughs> of 90s sitcoms where it's somebody's... Well, yeah, it's the super band of 90s sitcoms yeah, that's that dragged the, everybody exact, out of the other ones. But it's not... Just the characters. It's not like they, they set the characters loose to, to talk about it. Like all of the gags are recycled. It's just, just so obvious. It's yeah. like, yeah, it could happen to a nicer guy. A dirt bag. Laugh, yeah. laugh, 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 yeah, laugh. Yeah. So JT is pissed uh, at Dave, who was on the phone, because Dave is in a college-based management training program at General Motors. Yeah, the best job you could ever get. Nothing <laughs> well, they will live in Wisconsin. To, nothing will happen to General Motors. <laughs> right. Still growing strong today. JT wants a job like that, but he's not in college, and he says he feels like he's going nowhere. Cody, his cousin, uh. corroborates this. He says, well, since you graduated high school, you've gotten a low-paying job at a car wash, you still live with your parents, and you share a bunk bed with a 10-year-old. So, correct assessment, your life is going nowhere. Let's not forget about Cody's wonderful prop work with this bubble gun oh, he's that got he's got. a bubble got. gun he's obsessed with. The thing about Cody as a character is that he is the dim-witted he heartthrob, but he also, like, he is everyone's mentor, at least on this episode. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, so he is. It just look. It's 1995. We're all waking up to the fact that we should not have let Polly Shore get as far as he did. <laughs> and here's Cody, like a third-rate Polly Shore. And here's I ain't, Cody. I ain't got it. He's got, I ain't got a, it for him. a Valley Surfer accent. He <laughs> yeah. lives in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> Inexplicable. The fuck Cody. <laughs> That's what a spinoff with Cody should be. The fuck Cody. So now we have a call to adventure. <laughs> Yes. And JT and Cody come to the conclusion that if JT wants a better job slash life, he'll have to go to college. And JT's like, oh, I hate school. 
But then we have a short meeting with the mentor where Cody says, you're going to love college. Books, professors, a rad student store where you can buy a bubble gun like this one. I love higher education. <laughs> and that's, then the, and that's the way it begins. ends. And I'm assuming that if, if you find like a copy of the script and you read it, at this point, Cody says, dude, I love higher education. And the shrip, li- script literally shrugs. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Turn the page, dummy. <laughs> and that's then we, it. Then we have our theme song, which consists of all of the kids and the parents and Cody at uh, like a, a Six Flags Wisconsin mm, or yeah. something. Um, and we just show them, you know, familying around. Yep. They're just like you and me, except they're in so <laughs> <laughs> we are at least occasionally sufferable. Sometimes you can put up with us, and we're not always around. So, <laughs> so now we're in the special world. Uh, it's, it's like where JT goes to school voluntarily. It's later now. It's months and months later. He's like half month. He has taken a, a semester off, and now he's just back in school. So it's got to be a. While. I'm not no. saying like we see the semester. No, no, no. I'm not saying like at the beginning of this. He's like, but. There's a process to getting into a college. No, no. I feel like he just rolled up and and uh, entered college you know, like I went a to, week later. I went to community college, and that took some doing, <laughs> okay? And that was Thomas Nelson Community College, which was legitimately beside an interstate. <laughs> I think what we have here is oh, that oh, he's sorry. been out of school for, for a semester. Yeah. But then next semester was about to start, and so he enrolled, mm, 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 but maybe not. Thomas Nelson Community College, also in an Air Force crash zone. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a true fact. The crash zone designated because it would have been too destructive if something crashed into the interstate. <laughs> so they set it at the community college nearby. I've never felt so important. <laughs> Anyway, I had to like, you know, work to get in there. I had to go and sign a piece of paper and Mm -hmm. try. (laughs) So we crossed the first threshold. We've started the test allies and enemies portion of the storytelling. Mm -hmm. Did we just become best friends? Bitch, please. (laughs) Who is saying bitch, please in that one? That is Sir Ian McKellen. Okay. Is oh, it? I remember. Bitch, please, thou shalt not pass! <laughs> Bitch! <laughs> How do I act so well? Say in, say in, say in. Action! You <laughs> shall not pass! Cut, say in, say in, say in. The, the three eldest of the kids, JT and Dana, who do not get along, and Cody, are sitting down to do college homework together. And um, it's a hallmark of the series that JT and Dana fight constantly yes so by the way if they say dana i did not catch it so i will be referring to her as girl girl so uh this she is the eldest of mom carol's children and Uh jt is the eldest of dad frank's children i'm not uh i'm actively not going to learn any of this sure 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 um i remember watching this show as a kid i remember watching this episode really yeah i remember this this episode taught me what I thought I knew about the thing that it's about. Boy, did yeah. Did, yeah. Um, we'll get into how they handle this in right. a second, but I have never seen an episode of this show oh. until this yep. was forced upon me. It was part me. of TGIF. I mean, it was part, it was like Boy Meets World and all the stuff. You know, it was like a, sure. you just plant yourself in front of the TV on Friday night. I might have been busy trying to get into Thomas Nelson <laughs> <laughs> College at this point. 
<laughs> so no, I think I was still receiving letters from real colleges that were like, "No, it's not gonna work out, kid. <laughs> you didn't do good at a swamp school. You don't think you're gonna fit in here." Uh, JT says he has to read the first chapter of his book, Economic Basics, and Dana picks it up and points out that the cover of the book reads, Basic Economics. Chekhov's reading mistake is introduced. (laughs) And she's like, helpful tip for college, learn to read. And he says, helpful tip for life, eat my shorts. And I was like, this is the level of This is it. This is as good as it's going to get, man. Um, And they study for two seconds before JT gets up to take a break. And we see his face kind of contort in a way that's sort of like he's in pain a little bit or like he's uncomfortable. Sure. And then he gets up and like gets a banana and he's like, I can't concentrate down here. You're breathing too loudly. I'm going to go study in my room. And Dana says, Oh, there we go. You should sit on the book. So it'll be closer to your brain. His brain is in his butt. We had to wait. Brain is in his butt. We had to wait this long, but we finally got another brain is in his butt. His brain is in his butt. Chelsea, your postgrad thesis <laughs> on brain buttery. Was brain in his butt? That was from episode one. The of very our first podcast. episode we've done. And that was Family Matters. Yep. Directed by Rich Corral. <gasps> this is Rich Corral's favorite joke. Rich Corral's like, hey, listen, listen. I know how to. I know how to get these kids. <laughs> this is. I'm sure how he talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks like the only impression I can do. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. He's just got to uh, say your brains, brains in his butt. His butt. We have had a, I, while, I, while that was happening, I did remember our Captain Planet blisses in his butt uh, <laughs> moment, but that doesn't count. So this is two, a total of two brain is in his butt yep. uh, jokes so far, but it's certainly not the end. That's all I need. So <laughs> Is it all you need? <laughs> to prove my point. Yeah. So right. we cut <laughs> to the living to room. disagree. We, we cut to the living room. Dad Frank is picking up game board pieces. Nerd son Mark enters with nerd girlfriend Gabby in, according to IMDb, her last appearance oh, on this show. That's you, you mispronounced that. What's the girl's name? Gabby. And the boy's name? Mark. Oh, no, it's Young Miles. <laughs> it's actually Young Miles. We were looking for Young Miles. Yeah, it was a little shocking. <laughs> if, if young Miles was like prim and proper and like living in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. it would have worked out pretty good. No. Well, what's this? Hold on. Let's see if I can find a picture of this kid today. Uh, they're arguing, the two nerds, because she says he looks like a young Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he's like, no, young Stallone, maybe. Lord. And this is hilarious because Mark weighs 14 pounds and wears glasses. And Dad Frank is shaking his head and he's like, you need to get your prescriptions checked. <laughs> uh, nerds leave. What's this the kid's, is, what's this the kid's is, name? Uh, Mark. Thank you. Sorry. This is... Uh, the you wouldn't know it from this moment, but you'll I guess at the end realize this is the C plot. Nerd, nerds in love. It, it, no, we don't have we don't have time for anything in this. <laughs> we don't have time for anything in this episode because we don't have time for things. Right. So Ooh, Christopher Castle's birthday is one day before mine. He's the guy who plays Mark. Oh. So the nerds leave. Uh, mm-hmm. Mom Carol, very pregnant, comes downstairs. She tells Dad Frank that next week. They're going to meet with some people from a very prestigious preschool. He's a little surprised because all of his previous kids went to a regular non-fancy preschool, and he assumed that this one would too. And I can already tell they think they want to get into this fancy preschool, but they're going to meet these people and realize they don't want to get into this fancy preschool because that's the way these things always, always, always play out on sitcoms. Yeah, that's basically yeah, Miles. That's basically Miles. I mean, he's definitely... Why is my arm around that lady? 
Because that? in this alternate reality, Explain you're popular with women. <laughs> Explain yourself. Explain yourself. <laughs> uh, you're multi-divorced. Um, yeah, this isn't... Uh, we'll talk about it here when it actually comes up, but the main plot of JT's problem studying will not actually get any traction until we are, like, on a, a what was for me, a very stressful countdown clock <laughs> at the very end of this episode where I'm like, how are they going to address this? They've got nay four minutes left. Right. So, all right, so we've introduced the C plot, girl, nerds, nerds in, in love, love. Uh, and then the, the B plot, which is going to be way too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a trope. It's a, it's a thing that, trope, I hate, okay, I guess I'm using that word. It's a thing that sitcoms do where it's like, all right, well, we have a B plot that's, you know, it's its own little, like it's a contained event. So what we'll do is we'll just write act one and act two that deal with the A and C plot. And then the B plot will be all of act two. It'll be yeah. like a little play. Yep. And so Carol is insistent upon Sutton Academy, which is the name of the snooty preschool. She says they don't take just anybody. And preschools nowadays are so much more than just a babysitting service. This is the beginning of our child's education. This is how college starts. You have to give your child every educational advantage these days. It's so competitive out there. And I actually did make a little note to myself that I like that the A plot and B plot are thematically connected. Yeah, I, I noticed that um, as well. That feels like rare to me, especially for a sitcom like this, and I kind of liked that. But, but also, talk about your L.A. writers nonsense. <laughs> Competitive preschools is the most L.A. thing in you In Wisconsin in the 90s. Yeah, like, okay. in L.A. and in New York, and now in places like, I've heard from friends, New Orleans. But in the suburbs, in Wisconsin, in the 90s. No. No. Um, so Frank is not impressed, Dad Frank, by this preschool with a science lab and a theater where they do Shakespeare in the round. For preschoolers. For preschoolers, which is not a thing. Um, but he says, all my kids went to Miss Daisy's ducky room and they all turned out fine. And that's when Brendan enters stuck in the trash can. Because Old of course you can't. Psychiac Magoo comes in. <laughs> I'm stupid, turns out. You can't, you can't make a statement like that and then not follow it up with an undercutting. <laughs> it's me. I'm going to be cut out of this series pretty soon. <laughs> Fighting help like Marty McFly. Help me out my trash can. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. The next scene. Is Cody yeah. wrapping a present for JT. JT has had his first college test today, and Cody is sure, because Cody is a human cheerleader, that uh, he'll have aced it. And Dana's like, JT's a moron. You saw how he studies. <laughs> he has the attention span of an ant. Like, there's no way he passed that test. And Cody's like, no, JT is smart, just not in a way everybody can tell. So I guess the journey we're supposed to be on is that JT is a slacker and a dum-dum. That's what we think if we don't know what the theme of this episode is. Whereas because the studio audience is still laughing at all these jokes at his expense about how dumb he is yeah. and how unmotivated he is and what a loser he is. And we're all, you know, like they keep, she keeps saying it and we keep laughing. Yeah. So JT comes home at this point and he's pissed because he flunked his test. And he kicks his bag across the room and everybody laughs. Yeah, and he throws his jacket down and everybody laughs. And he's like, I better get good at washing cars because that's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I'm too stupid for college. And as he gets angrier and angrier and starts talking worse and worse about himself, mm -hmm. even Dana's not laughing. And now the studio audience is not laughing. But it's more because he's so angry. Well, sure. And also the the the... The amount of time that's gone by in this scene and then the sad clarinets also tell <laughs> yes. us this is not funny anger. They tell us it's not funny anymore. That funny anger is 30 seconds ago, folks. <laughs> right. you got to move forward. 
Kicking bag, funny. Funny. Saying I'm only going to work at a car wash for the rest of my life, not, not funny. funny. Mm-hmm. So we cut away from that scene. He stomps off upstairs. We cut away from mm-hmm. that scene. And now Carol and Frank are preparing for the arrival of the Sutton Academy preschool jerks. Um, Frank is chafing under the pressure from Carol to be a phony version of himself because Carol really wants these people to think her family is like academic and sure. proper. And so she threw away Frank's fishing magazines. She asked him to change his enormous belt buckle. But Frank is acting like not even... He's not acting like himself. He's not acting like a better phony version of himself. He's acting like the worst possible version of himself throughout this entire thing. It's sabotage. It's straight up sabotage. It's... It makes me... This scene makes me angry on nine different levels. I only have a couple being forced to watch this (laughs) and what happens. So... That about sums it up, though. Yeah, okay. Um, the preschool suits arrive, and they are every bit as obnoxious as we could have expected. They they make a big deal. It's Miss Preston and Mr. Smythe. That's a last name. And everybody, he's like, actually, it's Mr. Smythe. And everybody's like, look at this stuffy guy asking people to pronounce his last name correctly. Yeah. Can and, you even imagine? Right. And they're, they're wearing suits, and they're here to interview the parents and assess the home environment. And mm. Carol offers some homemade pie, and they turn their noses up at how it. How quaint. So this is how we know to hate them. Yeah. Uh, Smythe and Pie. Oh, we know how to we know how to we know how to hate them immediately because they're wearing suits and glasses. Yep. Not in my step by step. <laughs> you better step Not by step off. Not in my America. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Next season is going to be those step by step off to the streets. <laughs> the streets. Electric Boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> Al and Brendan come in. Al, mm. Al the girl. And Brendan come in at truly the worst possible moment to announce that Brendan has figured out how to drink milk upside down and blow snot bubbles out of his nose. And Frank's attempt to cover this up results in Brendan spitting a mouthful of milk all over his father and the living room in front of the Sutton Academy jerks. Yeah, here's the thing, man. You're not you're not going to make it, family. (laughs) This isn't for you. You you haven't you can't like what what do you think? You're just going to pretend to be snooty. You can't, it's been five seconds, you already <laughs> fucked it up all over the place. You didn't even throw away the fishing magazine, so Mr. F- Smythe finds it in the goddamn kitchen a moment later. He does. Uh, Carol says, go upstairs and read the encyclopedia, and Al's like, why on earth would we this, do that? This is actually pretty funny. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> so, one, uh, the woman, uh essay jerk sits Miss down Preston. to do the verbal interview while the man essay jerk starts snooping around to gather data which go fuck yourself mr smythe his first assessment is to look at the bookshelf and go paperbacks minus 10 and i'm like dude this is a thing you just write on your pad you don't announce it what yeah. the fuck is this yeah. and then he goes into the snoop snoop around the kitchen um, and the woman asks, the, the jerk woman asks, what was the last cultural event you and your family attended? And Carol's like, oh, uh, the ballet. But Frank goes, was I there? Just sabotage again. Yeah. And she admits it was Snoopy on Ice. And um, Mrs. Preston is not best pleased by Snoopy on Ice. Nay. Frank begins eating pie with his fucking finger. What the fuck? That's Sorry, what I'm I saying. know I blew out my microphone. It's just, I'm so, he's not acting like a better version of himself or even his normal self. Use a fucking fork. No, that's what I'm saying. You ain't going to make it, step-by-step family. <laughs> You're not going to make it. This isn't going to like turn around for you. You have a giant albatross around your neck. His name is Frank. And that albatross is wearing a hubcap-sized belt buckle Which and he's eating never with its worn. little albatross fingers. <laughs> He's never worn that belt buckle before. No. And we'll never see it again. And we lived in the, the fucking uh, Midwest. 
That's not a not thing. Not a thing. I saw belt buckles that big when I lived in Louisiana. Just have not this in dude the Midwest. eating straight up like a bag of cheese curds. That'll get the <laughs> point across because there is nothing more decadent than cheese curds, y'all. Because it's not fried cheese curds. Fried cheese curds maybe slightly more decadent because you're going to eat a hundred of them. Yep. It, you Try won't to be stop. able to stop yourself. Try to stop. Uh-uh. So You're like it's not like a slice of cheese; it's just like a nugget. How am I supposed <laughs> to judge how much I've eaten? Oh, the bag's gone, and I'm throwing. Oh, up. you're gonna put them on top of fries and soak the whole thing in gravy? Let's poutine this thing Very up. Very cool. Uh, is universal <laughs> healthcare coming around the corner? Or, oh no, I'm just gonna die. So then, Mr. Smythe comes back in. He's found the fishing magazine, Ooh. and now it's just—it's the most predictable thing that could happen. It's time to turn the tables. So. We've set up. We've set <laughs> you up. You are so fucking done with even I hate you're this just, You're just talking about it, and you're like, huh. <laughs> I get it. There is one masterful move in here that I actually but can't wait I to point out. I hate this trope of like, I think it points to a bigger anti-intellectualism sentiment yeah. that's nefarious. Yeah. It's not innocently like, these two snobs came over, and we're just a hardworking, normal family, and we're not going to put up with this kind of treatment. It's like, anyone who prizes education over eating pie with your fingers must be taken down a notch. It's such an insidious, like there's a whole article I read once that I'll never be able to find. So don't look for the link about how don't do it about how friends, when friends starts, Ross is a paleontologist. He's a scientist. He's got the coolest job. And over the course of the season, they just make him dumber and dumber and rag on his job more and more and yeah. more because it's obvious that like people don't want to laugh at smart people doing smart things in their smart jobs. People want to laugh at smart people being taken down a peg there all the go. time. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do that than than what is actually very funny in this, which is uh, Suzanne Summer starts reading them the Riot Act and how they're they're too snooty, they're snooty as fuck. Yeah, she goes into not in my house mode. Yeah, and. Miss Preston says, oh, I see where this is going. Only a true idiot would shove a pie in my face. And it looks like that's what you're about to do. It's that summer's <laughs> like, I'll show you. We smash pie, you. And I'm like, you fell for it, dummy. Yeah. Dummy. She said only a dummy would hit me with a pie. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm that dummy. And you did it. Yeah. It's she's like, only a person of your class, but lower class would result to physical violence. And, and she legit Summer's says, like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, I'll show you, low class. And this is, of course, Chekhov's pie that was being eaten with a finger is now shoved in this woman's face. That's the most insulting part. You got fucking Frank finger grease on your face now. <laughs> and she says, uh, Car- Mom Carol's like, maybe my kids aren't geniuses, and but at least they have manners, which you don't. And then shoves so a piece of pie into face. a guest's face. Yeah. So, uh, And she calls her Miss Prisbag. So the way she demonstrates having manners is by calling names and then physically assaulting someone with food. There are three applause breaks during this <laughs> yeah, moment, by the way. So dumb. Uh, I'm so tired yeah. of this this sort of like, do we want to be intellectuals and give our child a good education? Nah, we hate those people. Nah. Let's take them down a peg. Like, I just, I'm so done with this whole thing. And, you know, the whole, like, women should should not stray too far from their commonplace and respect their husband. More like Stepford by Stepford, am I right? Wah, wah, wah. Well, I got five more of these. And then Frank throws... That throws <laughs> the Sutton Academy jerks out of the house. And it is then implied that Carol is so worked up from defending her children. Uh, only that, one thing's going to help. That now she's horny and she and Frank have to go role play some Zorro 
which okay sure uh, i guess that's the logical conclusion i don't know how else you get out of this scene it's just it's a dead end the writers must have had no time for you know really getting the third act done while they were patting themselves on the back right <laughs> uh yeah All suzanne right. summers is like oh i'm so angry and he's like angry huh what about doing it? And she's like, okay. Sounds good. The end. Every of part of my body act. hurts because I'm six months pregnant, but let's let's do what you want to do. So, approaching he's, the inmost he's, cave. He's, he's the man. I may not come out alive, but I'm gone in there. He's got that bell buckle. Okay, so we're <laughs> approaching the inmost cave, uh, which is JT and Mark's bedroom. Yeah, okay. Here's where I note. We have four minutes and 30 seconds <laughs> left in this entire episode. Yeah, we're going to wrap up. The A and the C plots. Introduce and solve the special episodes problem. I oh. am on the edge of my seat. <laughs> yep. like, this is the most suspenseful thing I've ever seen in my life. Four I minutes. The green wire. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't spell green because I have dyslexia. Oh, spoiler alert. I'm sorry, so everybody. We... Sorry. You'll find out literally a second. So Mark is ironing because he's a nerd, and JT is uh, shooting baskets on the back of the door. So in case you needed to be reminded that he's the sportsy slacker. Yeah. Uh, Cody comes in, cousin Cody, and says he thinks that JT flunked the test today because his brain is out of shape because he's been out of school for a semester. What you need is like a study coach. And Cody's like, I volunteer for this job. So... Cody says, you know, I broke your economics book. I broke chapter one down into sections. Read the first section and then summarize it to me. And JT's like, okay. And he sits down and starts reading. Meanwhile, Mark asks Cody's advice on his relationship because Cody is the Swiss Army knife of this family. Do they even need parents at this point? He's just mentoring every child. He is all over. He's like a surfer human elf. Just ready to quip <laughs> or dole out advice. Or help. And Cody's problem is me and my little nerdy Mark. girlfriend. Mark's Mark. problem. Sorry, Cody has lots of problems. We don't have time to go into no, that. No, no, no. Mark's problem is he's like, hey, relationship's going great, but me and this other nine-year-old girl are horny as fuck. <laughs> I think they're most supposed to be like 16, 15 or 16. Oh, how old were you, Miles? <laughs> When this aired, I think they're supposed to be in high school. Maybe, but they look very, very they young. They do look very young. And, and this is not. Yeah, the whole thing is like we can't keep our hands off each other. And Cody's like, well, have you tried abstinence and ping pong? <laughs> yeah, he's basically like, just like ping pong. There'll be a net between you. Um, and this is all kind of a, this is our C plot again, yeah. but also to kill time. So JT has enough time to try to read the first chapter for a little minute. Yeah. So then he can get real frustrated and Cody comes back over and he's like, okay, summarize for me what you read. And JT says, I haven't, I read it, but none of it sticks. Like I read the words, but nothing gets into my brain. I can't retain it. And Cody says, you're just goofing off. And J and JT bites back and says, how come every time I'm having trouble in school, people think I'm goofing off. And I'm like, okay, here we are. Here's the heart of the the matter. Here comes the Supreme ordeal. Chekhov's reading error comes yep. back. He says, "I uh, blah, 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 economic basics. And Cody asks, what are you, dyslexic or something? And I pause it. And they have gotten to the problem with two minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds left. This is a fucking nail biter, everybody. This is, well, now they've only got two minutes and 30 seconds left. And I'm sorry, I, we can go back and review this in, in detail, but... I'm like, they have two minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds left. They've said the word dyslexia. How are they going to like artfully discuss this? And I've hit play and JT goes, maybe I do have dyslexia. 
And I was like, I apologize, episode, <laughs> you did it. Okay, hold on. Let's go back through this a little bit more closely. So Cody says, you're not even trying. And JT says, I am trying. I could read this stupid economic basic book a hundred times. It wouldn't, mean, it wouldn't make any sense. Mm. And he's gotten the title wrong again. And Cody says, what are you, dyslexic or something? And JT's like, Oh shit, I really thought I had the title right that time. Which that's the part I remember. Well, first seeing. he gets like super upset. He's like, Don't you call me dyslexic, brother? And then he's like, Wait, but but I did try to read the title. <laughs> right. He looks at the title again, he's like, Oh, whoa. And, and this then, is where And then Mark, as all purpose nerd, says, Cody might be onto something. Transposing words is a symptom of dyslexia. JT, maybe you should get tested. And JT says, Just what I need, another test. But I, I, I almost wish that like Cody hadn't known what dyslexia was. So Mark, that makes more sense to me. Mark's the nerd. Yeah. Being like, But Cody's the one who throws the accusation out there. Yeah. He's like, you're just lazy, basically. But then if that's the case, if Mark is the one who knows about it and Cody is just throwing it out, then Cody's using it as a basic slur. Yeah, he is. He's like, whoops. What are you, an idiot? (laughs) What are you, dyslexic? Yeah. Yeah. And and JT reacts accordingly. Did you call me an idiot? Yeah. And then Mark's like, no, it's just a fucking brain problem. Right. Uh, full disclosure, someone in my family has dyslexia and, you know, they went to college. They did fine. Yeah. That's the thing. Everyone, at this point, everyone knows someone has dyslexia. I, it's, it's very common. It's even more common than we think because it's kind of a spectrum disorder. And so yeah. it, it's hard to... It's hard to list concrete symptoms, although I will try because I did do some research. Oh, you listened to Mark then, did you? Um, Yes. Did Miles just tell you because he remembered his lines? (laughs) (laughs) You are the nerd. Let's wrap up this episode because it's almost over, as you said. So now we get the reward consequences part of the journey. And they have a a minute and 50 seconds left to do all of this. The next thing we see is the whole family waiting for JD to come back from the doctor to show they care about him. Um, and Brendan asks, uh, what dyslexia is. What's dyslexia? Trash anyway. can kid. And yeah. Carol responds that it's a learning disability that makes it hard to read. Something happens between the eye and the brain. Words gets mixed up and now it's just mm-hmm. exposition from this point. Yeah. Brendan's like, that sounds bad. But Mark says, if you know you have dyslexia, you can learn techniques that help you manage it. Some schools will even give you extra time to finish your work. And then JT comes home and announces that he has dyslexia. And Carol says, oh, I knew it. I knew you couldn't be that stupid. And somebody says, you think that's bad, Brendan? Maybe you should read your contract, chump. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is a thing that has happened in at least, it happens in two other episodes about dyslexia that I can remember. Mm is the, I'm so happy that I have dyslexia. It's an interesting thing. It's, it's, you're, you're skipping right over the, you know, hardcore ramifications of it into what a relief. At least I know what it is. At least I, mean, I know what it is, which is fine. But it, it seems to be the tactic most episodes take, in my mind anyway, when dyslexia comes up, it's like, yeah, I got dyslexia. Yeah. And it's like, yay. You, yeah, you not... skip the sort of like, why me? What's, yeah. yeah I mean, they, we get a little to... bit of that. When... But maybe that's to normalize it for kids. I think so. Yeah. So. And I think also, yeah, I don't know. Just just no- noting that it has happened more than once. We have a tiny little act three return mm-hmm. with the Elixir Hill community. Um, turns out Al and Mark made a bet and Mark wins $10 and JT's like, my own sister bet I was an idiot. And this is how we know that the world is back to normal. Yeah. Um, and it sounded like easy money. Right. 
Oh, and then it turns out that that runner about sexy nerds is coming back at the end. I missed it. Oh, uh, they come in dressed in matching windbreaking suits, and they go to walk off their sexual energy. Oh, this was cut out of my viewing. And Cody's yelling out the door at them, no, you you don't hold hands when you walk. And definitely none of that. So, yeah, that's how it ends. So they start fucking in the driveway or Cody's house? I just making out in Cody's house in the driveway. No! Get out of my house! <laughs> get out of my house! Yeah. You just roll over slightly into the lawn. <laughs> get a room! <laughs> oh, uh... I'm also, talking, I'm also talking to myself. <laughs> right, get a house. Um, great. So... Uh, also, JT says, oh, now I have to work. Cody's like, now you have to work harder because you have dyslexia. And JT's like, work harder. I liked it better when people thought I was stupid. End of episode. Oh, Jack Horseman. <laughs> I just kept writing that down, by the way. Because the, the, the series just ended mm-hmm. uh, really well, by the way. If you haven't watched BoJack Horseman, do it. It's tough. It's a tough watch, but it's really good. All right. Um, but again, every time they flash back to a 90s show, it is just this... It's just this stuff. Yeah. It's also that 90s humor that's like, did you say a thing? You're an idiot. Like the punchline is just an insult. Yeah. And when you have six kids that hate each other, they come fast and furious. And if you can get some snooty adults involved, then you can get your adult stars making horrible noises at each other and (laughs) slapping pies at each other and all that. Picking belt buckles with their fingers and fucking Zorro costumes and sex. It's almost, it's not quite on the level of like, Roseanne in terms of uh, taking pride in being low class and yeah. crude and all like being like that's the point of pride for this series it's not quite there but there it's, is no, this episode definitely borders on the sort of like what do you mean you're gonna come over here and judge us we're not standing for yeah, that yeah, pie yeah. in your face there's that I mean it's just the sit what sitcoms become in the 90s are half like I'm going to say a thing that creates an expectations and let's cut to that expectation yeah. being defied. And what did you say? Here's the meanest thing I can say in response. Right. You're a dumb dumb. So what let's talk about. What did you say to me? I said you're a dumb dumb. That's fair. Let's talk about. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to buy your vote with candy. Um, let's <laughs> talk about dyslexia. Yes. Um, it is estimated, according to the University of Michigan website, that between 5 and 10% of the population has dyslexia, but this number could also be as high as 17% because it's hard to uh, diagnose. So it was first identified around the 1880s, but attention really started to be paid to dyslexia about the 1950s. And this is an interesting fact. Dyslexia is not just a problem for English speakers, and it is not more common in men than women, which is a misconception. Um, nowadays, even more than in the nineties, there's a lot of software and technology that can help people with dyslexia immensely. So, uh, per the Mayo Clinic, dyslexia tends to run in families and it appears to be genetic. So it's not like, um, there are risk factors, uh, in early childhood, but mostly you're born being predisposed to dyslexia Mm -hmm. and it can also, it can increase the risk of having ADHD and vice versa. So if you have dyslexia, you're more likely to be ADHD and vice versa. Um, There's no cure for dyslexia, but early assessment and intervention result in the best outcome. Um, Although sometimes dyslexia goes undiagnosed for years and isn't recognized until adulthood, but it's never too late to seek help. Um, And there are different, they list different signs and symptoms, uh, preschool age, young school age, teens and adults. Um, there's a great Stuff You Should Know episode of the Stuff You Should Know podcast about uh, dyslexia 
And actually, um, I'm going to say this if you don't mind. Uh, we were listening, Miles and I, on a road trip listening to this episode. And they were listing the symptoms of dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And as they were going through the list, Miles kept saying, oh, that sounds like me. Oh, that sounds like me. Hmm. Oh, that sounds like me. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know. We, I mean, you haven't been tested or anything, but I think there are a lot of things that lead me to believe, now that we know more about it, that is possible that you have a mild dyslexia, in which case, congrats on like making it through college and everything <laughs> without any help. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it, the, the, listening to you guys talk about it, I, I thought, Wow, yeah, because it's been a while since we listened to that episode. I thought, maybe I don't have dyslexia. That seems silly. Uh, like, you know, I've never been tested for it, but I've, I've always struggled with reading comprehension, um, spelling, just awful, terrible at spelling. Um, the, the most notable times where I feel like my symptoms really surface, and, I, and at least I notice them, more than just having difficulty reading are when I, if I'll read like a, a two digit or a three digit number, I'll read it correctly, but I'll say it out loud to somebody incorrectly. Like I'll invert the numbers. Oh, that's funny because. And then I'll write it back down correctly. Oh. That's interesting because one of the symptoms per the podcast is difficulty with money and difficulty telling time, which are not, I, you know, not things you think of in terms of reading comprehension, but what you're saying about numbers, numbers yeah. that translates. Um, and then other times, uh, like for example, if I'm in a, uh, a strip mall parking lot and I'm kind of uh, turning around or something like this, and I'm just kind of gazing at all of the signs, I'll read things, uh, I'll, 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 I'll kind of mash words together mm-hmm. and think that I read a sign that said a free sushi buffet, but really it said Chinese buffet, sushi, and then like, you know, free something. But I'll kind of mash all that together thinking I actually read Man. a sign. And you're like, so you live free in world. sushi buffet. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to go to that free sushi buffet. But where did it go? <laughs> yeah. Um, some other symptoms, because when I saw this episode, I thought, oh, okay, it's just transposing words, which is a lot of people think that's all dyslexia is, or that's the way that you can tell that someone has dyslexia. Um, there's no specific test. So you look at the collection of symptoms and you say, yeah, a lot of that rings true. Um, transposing words or letters is a symptom, but not everyone who has dyslexia does that. Slow reading, difficulty sounding out words, difficulty pronouncing longer words with multiple syllables, inability to read or speak made up nonsense words. That's an interesting one. That's weird. Um, poor short-term memory for verbal information, Poor spelling to where sometimes you can't even tell the word they're trying to spell. Difficulty with money, difficulty telling time, very little recollection of something just read, difficulty summarizing a story, um, difficulty memorizing, and difficulty doing math problems. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, But the good news is it's never too late if you just thought, man, all that sounds like me. It's never too late to get diagnosed and start learning the techniques that make living with dyslexia much easier. Do you think I should get diagnosed? I don't know, Miles. Just, you know, why don't you just reread the script for the episode that you were in? <laughs> read your lines and see if that does Thank God I've got dyslexia. Oh. There you go. We did it. The funny, I mean, the thing is, like, I have always been such a huge reader. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just a voracious reader. I think most writers are. That when we started dating and Miles was like, I don't really read for fun. I was like, Voss's Das? Like, I couldn't imagine a world in which someone didn't read for fun. Um, but now if it's like... Oh, but that's because you have that one disability. 
being a fucking nerd, <laughs> right, everybody? <laughs> Chelsea got nerd Lexia. <laughs> reading like a dumb reader. Reading stupid readers. Stupid reading shits. I have four degrees. I'm with Juilliard. Nerdy is cool. It's, shut up. <laughs> I didn't go to school in a crash zone. I didn't go to school in a crash zone. Yeah. Hey, Crucify uh, me. To be fair, it was barely a school. <laughs> and nothing crashed there when I went there. That I know of. This is the anti-intellectual bias that I'm so against. This is why you love Step by Step so much. That you identify with with Mom, Carol, and Dad, Frank. You want to shove pie in my face. You got pie? <laughs> Y'all got pie? Y'all fuck Dracula? Y'all fuck sorrow? Y'all fuck sorrow. Coming soon to Netflix. Netflix, whatever. <laughs> whatever, you're greenlit. Um, yeah, anyway, that's dyslexia. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's dyslexia. <laughs> Bye! I thought from watching this episode, it was just about transposing words, but now it seems there's a whole lot of stuff, including a lot of number stuff, yeah. uh, that they don't get into at all in this episode. But yeah, so this is how we all learn that JT has dyslexia in season four, does episode it, eighteen of this show. Does it then? Do the ramifications of that? I feel like echo probably throughout? not. Yeah. Also, our, we'll never see Gabby the nerd again. According <gasps> to IMDb, this is her last appearance on the show. She was sent away to a convent to have her illegitimate child. <laughs> yes, exactly. Her illegitimate nerdy child. Miles, how dare you sully that young woman? Anyway. Anyway. Uh, what did we learn? We um, learned stuff about dyslexia. I learned a lot about dyslexia. I didn't learn a lot about dyslexia. I knew a, a bit having grown up with a sibling with dyslexia. It, also, th- there's two lines here where they talk about dyslexia. It's dyslexia is this, dyslexia is that. Yeah. And they, I learned more about getting into Sutton Academy than I learned <laughs> about so dyslexia. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, I uh, I guess I learned about dyslexia from my research. I also learned how much I hate this trope of like, let's invite intellectual people over to the house so we can take them down a peg. Yeah. Fucking hate that. Well, s- strap in some more because <laughs> that is the 90s, is the 90s and the 80s and also the 70s and today. Um, wow. It seems to be a real problem. <laughs> Maybe you could go read a fucking book about it, though, nerd. Bow, 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 bow. You know who didn't go to college? Pitbull. <laughs> you don't know that. I don't know that <laughs> because I refuse to learn. <laughs> it would be easy to Google, but we're not going to Google it. Bow, he's bow, not bow, Mr. Bow. He's Mr. Worldwide, not Mr. Campus Wide. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that got Miles real good. <laughs> that got that Miles literally slapped my real, knee. real good. Miles and I are on the same page, the same stupid page in the book that we didn't read. <laughs> Pitbull did go to college. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Pitbull both did and did not go to college. <laughs> <laughs> he received an honorary degree <laughs> from <laughs> Doral <laughs> College in Miami. Is that, like, is, that, is that anything related to Doral cigarettes? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it probably is, um, though. An honorary degree in history in 2014. Okay. Uh, honorary doctorate from Doral College. And then threw up the middle finger in a pick. <laughs> Was it yeah. Doral Mental Aid University? Because <laughs> that might answer some questions. Well, way to go, Pitbull. Yeah, way to get an honorary degree. Good for you. Maybe if you get three more, you can be a big fucking asshole about it. 
anytime no. it comes up. No. Hey, welcome to the Pitbull's house. Here's a mug with Doral University <laughs> on it. <laughs> They're the only mugs I own. <laughs> this has been a catty fucking episode. <laughs> oh, who do we want to hug? You get, it has to be a character in the show, Chelsea. It can't be a mug. The woman who gets hit with pie. She's just yeah, trying to do her fucking job. Really? And you, you've brought these people to your house under false pretenses, and you wasted their time. Y'all a bunch of rednecks. You should know better. Yep. <laughs> You're um, a bunch of Wisconsin. Uh, by the way, I went to Wisconsin, and I ate cheese curds, and it was fucking great. I did, too. When we lived in Chicago, we were so close. I drove up to that cheese castle a couple times oh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yep, right outside Chicago. I went Chicago. to Kenosha, Wisconsin, too. And when we yep. entered Kenosha, I said, oh, if you're ever wondering where the 70s are hiding out, <laughs> Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's also the home of the Jelly Belly factory, and you can take the tour, the Jelly Belly manufacturing Did you place. take the tour? You I took did. the tour. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. How many children died, ironically, on that tour? None. There were also no children on it. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> it was me, my sister, and Kevin Crispin. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's a Zach Braff movie waiting to happen. <laughs> Was this pre or post your sister becoming a nun? Pre. Okay, well, then it's less Zach Braff. We don't go on field trips as much anymore. It's more Zach Braff than it is Wes Anderson, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, if my life could be a Wes Anderson movie, I feel like I'd be the Tilda Swinton characters. Okay. Yeah. Who would you be in Wes Anderson movies? Oh, I would be... Don't worry. Uh, in one of the earlier ones before he got super cutesy. Oh, I, see. I see. Or I would be stunt casting. Oh, you know what? are I they? I'd be, uh, I think I would be, I would be Danny Glover. You would be Danny Glover. A grumpy old man who doesn't necessarily belong, but he's mm-hmm. just m- making hay while he can. I think, uh, I think um, our friend uh, the Fonz is in the French Dispatch. I think Henry Winkler's in. I've seen a lot of stuff about the that. The French Dispatch. So. He's got a... a Elizabeth Moss mm-hmm. and somebody else. I was like, really? Oh, it actually makes a lot of sense. Jeremy Wright, isn't yep. it? Jeremy Wright, who once it was pointed out to me, definitely wrote his own IMDb page. <laughs> oh my God. I love those when it's in the third person, but clearly they wrote it themselves. Let me see if it's still there because this was years and years ago. And I'm sorry to, to keep us hanging on here. But if it is, it's so clearly, although he might have wrote the two trademarks often plays intelligent characters and deep, smooth voice. <laughs> and deep, smooth voice. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, did we talk about who we wanted to hug? Yeah, I want to hug the woman who got pie in her face. Yeah, also that. Also wanted to hug Suzanne Summers. God bless you, ma'am. Just because she's funny? Sure. Uh, that's the end. Hey, much like a cold open and step-by-step, step, we're shrugging into the <laughs> next part of the podcast. Shrugging right off. Where we say goodbye. Goodbye, I guess. Um, so yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> what a load of pit bullshit this is for you. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And if you're still listening this far, what? Congrats. Yeah, maybe go read a book. <laughs> you need a hobby. Uh, But we'll see you next time, folks. Spring snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!